yoga teachers who don't really understand um, boundaries as you begin and mm. what you can give and what you can't give and what you what your value is. I think it has a lot to do with value. Yeah. And okay. I love that topic. I really okay. I spend a lot of time talking with teachers about making sure that you value yourself and don't get into situations where you are not valued because I think that's the quickest way to burn out is you're just giving and giving and not even feeling fulfilled psychologically, you know, forget about money and time and all that, but not feeling anything that's filling you back up um, because you're not, you're doing something that's not reciprocating in value, which I yeah. find a lot of the other teachers. My name is Jeremy Devins, and welcome to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, where I share insights and perspectives from experienced teachers and my own perspectives throughout uh, things that I've experienced. And I'm really grateful today to have one of my teachers that I've worked with over the years, uh, Lisa Fader, who's a full-time yoga instructor and wellness consultant living in Austin, Texas. Uh, she's had a passion for all things wellness for as long as she can remember while working for over 20 years in the corporate world and marketing and branding, working for large corporations, including Procter & Gamble, Mary Kay Cosmetics. And she began teaching fitness classes in her free time. And she became a certified personal trainer, began working with people one-on-one. -on -one, and working in the physical realm led her to explore yoga which is a big part of why she's here today. She fell in love with yoga and the way it made her feel and her students feel physically, emotionally, energetically. And after teaching part-time for many years, she took the leap and started Being Well Yoga, which is how I work with Lisa, and where she brings yoga on-site to companies to help employees learn how to live healthier, more balanced lives. She also teaches in studios, schools, senior centers, parks, and private homes and she leads workshops and retreats all over the world. Her approach is balanced, and she likes to bring mindfulness, humor, challenge, and deep relaxation into her practices. She considers herself a practical yogini focused on how students can take yoga off the mat and into their lives, which is really what we're gonna talk about today and working with something that Lisa has helped me with in helping to avoid burnout as a teacher, to make sure that your teaching is sustainable and that you don't just like overdo it and stretch yourself so thin that you forget why you even started teaching and you drop your practice. All these things that are very common. I've talked to many teachers who have these challenges. And Lisa's uh, an ERYT ER 200. She's an RYT 500, an MBA. She's had a ton of trainings with Sean Korn, Donna Farhi, Sarah Powers, Anade Judith, many great teachers, Gary Craftsaw, Richard Miller. Uh, so she brings a lot of perspective years of experience and depth into what she's going to share today. So I'm super grateful she's here. And uh, we had a, just one short conversation that one thing she said to me really stuck with me and changed the way that I approach my teaching. Uh, and I'll share that later. Uh, but for now, I just want to say welcome, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Awesome. 
So just briefly, I want to just get into you know, a little more about how you got into teaching yoga. I mentioned some of it in the bio, but anything you want to add to that? I like that you had this sort of um, this corporate background, this fitness background, and I, I can see how you incorporate that in your teaching. But I'm just curious, like what you want to share about how you made that transition from that background? Because I know a lot of I've actually met a lot of people in a similar path, like going from corporate to wanting to be teachers or wanting to study yoga. So how did you make that transition? Yes, um, I always was very physical and even as a teen, I was a gymnast and a dancer and I always had some sort of physical practice, just part of my life. And I, I love kind of using my body and being strong and um, started teaching aerobics back in the day when we called it aerobics. I started teaching the 6 a.m. aerobics class before I went to work. And it was great for me because I liked teaching, I liked the physical practice, but I also knew that no matter what was going on in my day, I could get that time when I could, I knew what I was doing, I was um, leading exercise and helping people, and also at that time we did the workout with our students, so I was getting my workout in, so no matter what happened the rest of the day, I knew I had set myself up with something that felt good, something that was very healthy and physical, and I, I loved that. I really loved teaching aerobics. I loved the personal training. And then as I started getting older and my students did, uh, the gym that I was working at needed a yoga teacher. And I thought, well, that sounds like a great idea. But I came to it from a really physical way. I came to it from the movement aspect. And as you know, and anybody who is teaching yoga, whatever your reason for coming to the mat, that's great. But eventually, the philosophy and the mindfulness and the, all of the eight limbs started to come in. So over time, I started to um, learn more and more. And I guess in a good way, yoga kind of took over my life. <sighs> and I was teaching more and working less. And at a certain point, I had moved from, I was living in Dallas when I started teaching. I moved to Austin and went to work for myself. I was consulting. I wasn't working for a company. So I had lots of flexibility. And I was teaching part-time and working part-time and then little by little teaching more and more and more, training more and more and more, understanding more and more and more and wanting to get to spend all of my time teaching yoga and mindfulness. And it still took a while. I, I decided I was going to do it. I was going to go full-time probably about eight years ago. And then I, I got a little fearful. I wondered if I would be able to make enough money to support myself and if I could do it. So I went back to work in the corporate world for another couple of years. And it was then those last two years when I knew I really needed to be doing this. So then I took the leap about five years ago to come into this full time. And what did you have to do? So you had this intuition or knowing that you needed to take the leap. Like what did, what actually did you have to do to, to make that transition? Well, at the time, I needed to make a decision. I needed to make a commitment was the first thing because, and I know we're going to talk about um, getting overextended, but I, even at my age, I still suffer from, from FOMO. I have a fear of missing out on anything. And I liked the work I was doing in the corporate world, and I loved the yoga. So I kept saying, I'm going to go all the way into this. I developed a website. Um, I had some corporate clients to begin to work with. But then I'd get pulled into a consulting assignment. And I had to really learn to say no to those so that I could focus on developing more of my work in the yoga world. So how did I really do it? I, I 
was teaching in studios and I had enough of a class schedule where I felt secure in my teaching at the studios. And I had this beginning of a corporate business that I started because a client of mine or a student of mine uh, was affiliated with an organization here in town that needed a yoga teacher. And that got me into the corporate realm, which I felt I was really well suited for because of my background. I knew what would fly in a corporate setting and what wouldn't. And I knew what was important to people in a corporate setting. So I began to build a business around that, set up a website, started calling people. And that was it. That was it. That was it. Um, there are businesses that are much more complicated, but mine was simple. I, I worked with um, LegalZoom to create an LLC. I'm a sole proprietor LLC. I got a name and, and set up a doing business as account, um, got a bank account, and that was it. Really cool. So now that it's sort of at this point in your path where it's sort of, you said, almost taken over your life in a good way, uh, and it's something that you want to be doing all the time, was there a point somewhere in there where you started to feel like you were overextending or that you almost started to reach a burnout in there? Yes, there is. And, and I would say it comes up time and time again for two reasons. One is I have work that I love and I do want to throw myself into it. I am, um, Seth and I are empty nesters. The kids are working on their own. We, we raised two kids and they're out of the house. So I have all this time to throw myself into my work, which is great. And when you run your own business and you have a home office, it's always there for you. So it's easy to work all of the time. And when I do that for too long, I feel like, I start to feel like everyone wants too much of me. And when I get the sense that everyone needs too much for me, I know that that's coming from me feeling like I need to replenish or renew. This summer, in fact, right before I left for uh, my retreat that I led in Spain, I was driving to a class, maybe my last class before I left, and I, I think I even said to myself out loud, you are teaching from an empty cup. You're about to go teach from an empty cup. I just knew it. I had nothing more to give. And part of that was I had been so busy getting ready for a big trip. I was teaching extra classes. I was trying to get you know that last newsletter out or whatever communications or management of the business I needed to do. And I was not taking any time at all to replenish anything for myself. So when you do end up very, very busy, even if it's something you love and you don't sleep as much as you should, I probably wasn't eating as well as I should or as much as I should. I was certainly not making as much time for my practice as I know is helpful to me. And I was done. I was burnt. I felt it. I knew it. Hmm. So what could I have done at that point? Like in hindsight, I think, well, why didn't I have someone sub that class for me? Right? Right. That would not have been that challenging to do. So I'm still learning as I go. And I think that happens to us. We have these commitments that we make to show up and teach a class or to have a private session or whatever it is that we're doing. And we still have a say over how we spend our time. I don't want, I'm, and I'm never one to shirk my responsibilities, but at that point I could have said, you know what, I need a moment. And I have friends that I've helped that are wonderful teachers that could teach my class for me this day and it would be just fine. 
That's really, uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I was, I was surprised uh, that you shared such a recent example. It's, it's just validating and affirming to hear like someone with as much experience and education as you and awareness that you still have these moments, uh, you still, cha- still have these challenges of overextending yourself. I do, I do. And I really am, I still continue. As I said, my FOMO is, <laughs> it's, it's humorous in a way that after all these years, I still, I just, don't I, I have a lot of wonderful things in my life. I don't like to miss anything. And yet I find when I do step out, it's really helpful for me. Um, I was teaching, you probably remember, I was teaching a class on Sunday mornings for about 14 years at Yoga Yoga. And when Yoga Yoga closed, I had a decision, you know, do I want to put another class there? Do I want to change that class time? And I chose to do nothing with that time. And I chose to see what came up, to leave myself a little bit of openness. And Sunday mornings, which I used to love because I went to teach my class, I love anew because I spend time choosing what I'm going to do and letting myself have a little bit of time to linger over a cup of coffee or breakfast or stay in bed a little longer, whatever it is. I've given myself that time. So I'm getting a little smarter with experience, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's still a challenge for me. And it kind of weaves into what you mentioned in your book, uh, Year of Mindful Wellness. The month one is all about mindful intentions. And I think you hinted at it in there of uh, sort of how important intentions are in avoiding the burnout. And, and, you know, we get kind of caught up in these times where things get really busy or we get really into a certain aspect of, you know, maybe planning for your trip or something is sort of taking over more of your time. But uh, it sounds like what you were describing is sort of getting back in touch with your intentions and uh, and getting that perspective again. Is that kind of, does that seem true to you of what you're, what you're pointing to here? Does that seem resonant with what you share in your book? It does. And intentionality is the key for me to everything. So if you think about what your intention is versus what a goal is, let's say, maybe your goal is to teach this many classes and make this much money and reach these many people. That's, that's one thing, but intentionality is the how and the why you do what you do. So I really encourage everyone to consider why you're doing the things you're doing and how you're going into the world. So if you lose touch with that, it's really easy to get burned out because if you forget why you're teaching, that's a real quick path to burnout. I set intentions every day, but I also send intentions um, for the year. And I'll give you two intention stories here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. One is the year that I wrote the book. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. The year that I wrote the book, I had set an intention for that year to be courageous because I like doing what I'm doing. I tend to just, get into a groove, I'll keep teaching, I'll keep doing things. And sometimes you can get burnt out if you're not changing the way you do things or having new perspective, right? So I set an intention to be courageous so that I would have to do something that I wasn't comfortable with, that I hadn't done before. And the book came out of that. I had been intending to put all of the things that I wrote about or that I spoke about at companies into some sort of aggregation at some point, but I didn't know what that was going to be. And it's turned into this idea about a book. And once I started, because I had committed to myself to be courageous, I continued. I didn't say I'm going to write it by this time or I'm going to write this much or it's going to look like this. I just 
kept being courageous. And when I got a little bit scared that someone was going to read my words or that I didn't know what to say, I tuned back in and, and got my courage. I ended up hiring an editor because that helped me to keep moving forward. But that setting intention really changed things for me. It ended up as a book. So that's an annual intention that just became a, an overriding theme of that year. Did and you then have, I said that intentions. Uh, yeah. And I, I was thinking recently I was going to a full day of classes and I was feeling tired maybe. And I said, I was going to some classes that are my favorite classes of the week. So I said, my intention was to enjoy my work. That's what I said to myself. I said, today I'm going to enjoy my work. And as I went into these classes, I was overcome with enjoyment and joy. And it changed everything. So setting intentions really can set the tone of your life. And they also put your activities in line with how you want to be. Things will line up if you affirm an intention to yourself. I love that. Uh, I, was, I was wondering if you noticed that there were more opportunities or maybe challenges or experiences where like you had to engage that sort of flex that courage muscle throughout the year with having that intention. Yes, all the time, all the time. <laughs> because I think like all of us, as much as I teach and as much as I put myself out there, there's always that sense and wondering, um, some, some lingering self-doubt. Am I enough? Is this going to work? And when you ask yourself to be, be courageous, you actually welcome those questions because they give you an opportunity to be courageous. Mm. If those questions didn't come up, you wouldn't really have that much of a chance to be courageous. Right. But because those questions come up, you get to be courageous. I love that. So I wanted to share uh, one way that you helped me be a little more courageous as well as when we were talking uh, maybe a year ago now, uh, you you asked me about my schedule, like what are you doing, or how much, what, what are you teaching, and and at that point I was working every day because I was in this sort of phase where I had reduced my teaching a lot and even took on another job for a while just to sort of try that out and see if that was I don't know I just I just felt like I needed to try that again and and see if that was right for me and. And after a while of that, I realized I just, I want to teach full time. This is really what I feel called to do. Uh, so I recommitted to that and uh, started teaching, just taking on a lot of opportunities, a lot of subbing and knowing that it would be this phase where I'm going to just be uh, really immersed. And like you were saying earlier, just like it would sort of take over my life of just teaching as much as I can, but knowing that's not going to be forever. Uh, but I chose to do that and, uh, at, at that point when we talked, I was teaching every day of the week. Some days it was just one class a day. Uh, and some days it was like two to three classes a day. But when I shared that with you, you said, like, I was like, I'm thinking about taking a day off. And you're like, oh yeah, you need a day off. You need a day for yourself. You just, it's just different. You know, it's just, you need that day where you don't have to go anywhere. And I kind of felt into that and I was like, I, I could see that. And then when I, I had the courage to do it finally. Like, I mean, I, there was this one, this Saturday class that was like consistently small and it, it was kind of a long drive, like rush hour. So everything about it just felt like out of alignment for me. And uh, it took me a couple of weeks to really like to sit with it. Like, you know, I don't want to let the studio down. I don't like to break commitments. Like when I say I'm going to teach a class, I want to stay with it. Mm -hmm. But I 
I just knew like I needed, like it wasn't serving the students if I didn't want to be there fully and it wasn't right. serving me if I didn't want to be there. So it doesn't serve anybody if I'm just sort of like pushing through and making myself do it. So I had the courage to, to tell the studio owner like, Hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. I want to take this, let this go and I'll give you two weeks. I'll help you find a teacher. Uh, and then I let it go. And I, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough to take that class back at this point. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I knew like I needed that space. Like now I, now I feel it. I know I needed that space. I know I needed that time for myself. And now almost a year later, I think I, I have two days off where I'm not teaching classes and uh, it feels much more sustainable. And I still have, I'm doing plenty of work. I'm very much immersed in my business, but, but if I didn't have the courage to take that time off, I probably wouldn't have had the space to expand my business online or create this podcast or, or do these or take time for me and my partner and, and do mm -hmm. things that really nourish me outside of yoga. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, that's great to hear. And it is so important because you need to create that space. Things come out of it, but also you replenish and renew and rest and teach more fully and more presently when you do go back into your the next day of work. Uh, I think people are afraid to take a moment. They don't know if um, they're going to lose a class and some, you know, there's some fear involved with that, not taking a day off. And if you are coming to your teaching from a place of fear, and I'm not saying that's what was keeping you from taking the day off, but I do see it a lot. People are afraid to let go of anything and, and that will surely uh, end up in burnout at some point. You can't keep giving. There's a little bit of a sense of, you know, we're in service to our students and we should be. And this is a helping profession. Let's say, you know, we are here because we want to help people. And sometimes that looks or turns into a little bit of almost martyrdom. Yes, I can teach one more class. Uh, yes, I can be with one more student. Yes, I can spend this time. And we're not in service at all to ourselves and that ends up burning us out. So it's important to remember that it's great for you and it's great for your students. And you said that, you know, you said that you knew that you were not going to be able to be there for your students if you couldn't, couldn't be there for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's something I, I love about yoga. It keeps you very honest because you're in a room full of people who are being completely open and receptive to the energy that you're presenting. So mm -hmm. it's like this constant reminder, like to be a clear channel, to, to not bring any sort of uh, that sort of feeling like I have to, or should, or like I'm not getting my time and I'm stuck in this class now or, or whatever. Like I can't get out of this, uh, like, people will pick up on all that stuff. So it keeps me honest of like, you know, I don't want to bring that to them. And then just to be honest with myself of like, you know, does this feel in alignment? And uh, up to that point it did where it's like I wanted to take on more classes, but then it reached that, that threshold where it's like, okay, now it's time to pair back. And, mm -hmm. uh, and your, your uh, sort of conversation, that little, you know, just one little sentence that you said to me sort of uh, off the cuff that, that really did have a big impact. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. And it's, you know, it's even more challenging for us because the things that we're presented with to do are really fun. It's like, would right. you like to teach this class? Well, yeah, that'd be super fun. Would you like to lead this workshop? That sounds great. So it adds a little bit more of a challenge for us because 
the things are so appealing that we get to do. If you love teaching yoga, which we do, and I'm sure people listening to this podcast do, everything that we get the opportunity to do could be really fun and nourishing and fulfilling. But right. you still have to make those choices. Right. So then what does self-care and recharge time look like for you and what might it look like for students? Because it's tricky like being in yoga because I originally came to this, it was my self-care. Like I'd go to yoga class to feel recharged and recentered. But now I go to yoga class and it's usually as a teacher. And when I go as a student, I'm thinking, um, you know, it's hard to turn off the yoga teacher brain. So then what kind of self-care practices have you found over the years really help you recharge and recenter probably outside of the yoga room. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say I do still, I've been over the years able to let go of the teacher mind and really enjoy and embrace having someone else hold space for me. Right. I, I really still enjoy doing that. And it's, um, <laughs> it, it is it's an indication that we love what we do. And I was like, well, what are you doing? You're not teaching yoga. Uh, I go to yoga. Uh, I, I, I do go to yoga. But I also, I, for me, uh, getting outside and connecting with um, the earth and the world around me is really helpful. Um, I am a big believer in really forced self-care time. So I will, you know, have a massage or um, listen to a meditation, you know, things that I can't really do anything else while they're going on. Um, And I also spend a lot more time than I did just kind of hanging out you know, without an agenda and without something that I have to do. So just being at home, because so much of our work takes us out of our homes, just being at home and reading a book or really, I'm better than ever. And I am proud of myself. It's just hanging out and not doing anything. (laughs) Um, You know, it's really kind of a nice thing. And it's new for me. I never was, I never learned that that was something that was available this kind of resting as being. And a lot of my um, yoga nidra address training, which I just finished my certification and I'm really excited about that, but that taught me to rest as being. And that's been kind of interesting just to sit on the couch and, and not really not watch TV, not read a book, not be eating, just sitting there. So I do that. But I do, I read a lot. I love to read and I, um, I have a little bit of a reading problem where when I start a book, uh, I am able to let other things go by the wayside. So I have to be aware when I'm starting a book that I know what my other commitments are. So that's like the opposite of burnout. I just like lose myself and forget about anything else I have to do. Right. Uh, so I guess it's a good antidote. Um, you know, I love, of course, I renew with, uh, spending time with friends and my husband and my family and traveling, seeing new things, anything that helps you change your perspective, anything that helps me change my perspective is great self-care. And do you feel like you're able to balance that? Like you can have the time that you need for that in general, you know, aside from the one uh, recent incident you shared, but do you feel like in general, you're able to have a good balance of that time for yourself and time to do nothing and like you're, running retreats, teaching corporate classes, teaching studios, you, you know, you wrote this book. So you've got a lot going on. You're very much a full-time yoga teacher, like immersed in the business, but you also have this, this balance and you're not, you know, uh, you're not in general, most of the time, not burning yourself out. So what do you think is sort of the key that, that you found to, to balance those two? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very efficient, so I use my time very wisely. What gets me out of balance is if I get uh, too, what's the word even, too attached or involved with social media. Mm. That will eat up a lot of time and make me feel rushed and uh, irritated and all the things. So if I can really have a right relationship and a mindful relationship with social media, which I use to promote my business and sometimes to stay in touch with people, then I have, I feel like I have all the time I need. I, if I am getting lost or wasting time scrolling through posts, which I tend to do sometimes, I have to catch myself. That's when I don't have all the time I need, mm. but I really, I, 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 um, I schedule my time wisely, I think. Um, I don't rush and pile things on like I used to do. I used to get into the situation. Here's, a, here's another way you'll know you're burnt out. If you are depending on all of the traffic lights cooperating with you perfectly and hitting every green light in order to get to the next place you're going on time, you're scheduling things a little too closely. <sighs> and I was often doing that. I was like, you know, I can change into this, you know, I change from a corporate lunch and learn into close for a class and get there as long as there's no extra traffic and I'm hitting the lights. That's too much. Yeah. But if I don't schedule like that, I feel more spacious. And if I don't spend time, I really think my biggest issue is the social media uh, as a time waster or any media as a time waster. I don't spend a lot of time reading the news. Um, so that saves me some time during the day. I know a lot of people will spend time doing that. I'll catch up with what I need to know in the car if I really need to know, or someone will tell me what I need to know. The social media, cutting that out, um, scheduling thing with spaciousness. And then I do feel like I have the time that I need. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. That's definitely helpful. Um, and, and I, also have a very, um, from writing the book, I have a discipline of using my time without distraction. So when I set out to write the book, it was a fairly daunting task. So I would set my phone, I would set the timer on my phone for an hour. And I would sit down and write for an hour without looking at anything else, without answering a call. And then when the timer went off, I could decide if I wanted to take a break or if I was okay to write a little more. So uninterrupted time to work on what's important is really key for me for getting things done. My phone is always on silent. It never, it never makes any kind of noise for me, so it doesn't interrupt me. And, when I, and, and having that focused time also helps me not feel like I have too much to do. Because if you are focused, you can get so much more done than if you're task switching, right? And we know that multitasking is kind of this myth. You can't right. multitask. Humans can't do it. But we task switch instead, which is very inefficient. Right. And you mentioned uh, before we started recording about uh, the, the aspect of boundaries and all of this, of how boundaries are, play a big role in not burning out. And it sounds like what you're talking about here as well is having clear boundaries with social media, with your phone, with things like that. Is, is that what you would say is like a, a key aspect of this? Yes, boundaries with that. And then boundaries, I mentioned this before, um, in what you are open to, to, to give and able to give. I used to, every time I'd see a sub request, if I couldn't sub the class, I'd feel guilty as if that were my responsibility. Someone needs help and I'm not able to help. Ah, 
that takes time and energy even just to feel guilty. Yeah. So I've learned to set boundaries with that too, that everything is not my responsibility. I, I love to help when I can, but setting those boundaries, if you've set out a day, even if you've set out a day where you're just going to take the day off or if you're going to be working on something at home and something comes up and you physically could get to that class to sub it, right? You could do it if you decided to, but it's not being in right relationship with your time, then it's really your responsibility to say no and not yes, even though you're not able to help that person at that time. Right. And it goes back to that, like, if you're doing it out of a place of scarcity or fear or something that's not really authentic, then it's it's not going to serve you or the students anyway, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I want to kind of wrap up with something you share also in your book about mindful gratitude. And we talked a little bit about this, how this is something you're doing. Uh, it's today, right? You're going to a meeting after this uh, to share about gratitude, right? Yes. Yeah. So just speaking to gratitude, and I think that's a big part of this as well, of uh, continuing to come back to, and it's always like as a yoga teacher, at least for me, like my business is always evolving, like the classes, my schedule it's not the same as it was last year or the year before. So there's, there's always some changes to it. And I feel like I'm always trying to tune, trying to tune into like, okay, what am I grateful for? What is working really well? And you know, if there is something that needs to be adjusted coming from that place of gratitude, of fullness, of knowing like I have enough, I am enough. And uh, just speaking to that of like how you practice gratitude and how it shows up and how it relates to uh, avoiding burnout for you. Yes. It's very top of mind for me this month because I have been teaching a number of lunch and learns and workshops about gratitude. And I'm reading a book that I recommend um, called The Gratitude Diaries written by Janice Kaplan. It's from a few years ago. And she just decided at the beginning of the year that she was going to practice gratitude in every aspect. So she writes about gratitude in her marriage, in her career, uh, gratitude when you face challenges. And it's just been a very interesting perspective. She speaks to a lot of experts about the physical and emotional and psychological aspects of gratitude and their benefits. And it's really very compelling. So I had set out to do it and then I'm reading all this data about why it's going to make me healthier and happier. So it's really very, very motivating. I um, think that most of us, or, or many of us, we have everything we need, but we see things outside of ourselves that we don't have. And then the media kind of steps in and creates these feelings of lack that you don't have everything that you need. So we might say, wow, I really love this uh, new jacket I got. If only I had new shoes, right? So you have something and then you want more. Um, or even with people that do things with you or for you. And I was talking to my husband about this. My husband makes me a cup of coffee. I say, thank you so much. I'm really grateful for the coffee oh, but you didn't clean up the coffee grounds, right? There's always something, right? So it's a change of perspective and a reframing that when you open to gratitude to be grateful for what you have and know that it's enough and let go of the other stuff, let go of what you don't have. So you can do that in a number of ways. You can make gratitude lists, three things you're grateful for that you really appreciate, appreciate all the time. So that might be something... It's really obvious to you that you really do appreciate. And then three things that you take for granted that you really appreciate if you thought about it, but you don't even have to think about it. And that might be running water for us here in the U.S., right? What a gift. 
we don't even think about it. So pausing to think about the richness in your life through something that you take for granted. And then there's the gratitude for your challenges. So the things that drive you the craziest, thinking about what you're going to learn or how it makes you stronger or more courageous or more skilled, reframes things so that you have you know, this positive outlook that then lowers your blood pressure, strengthens your immune system, improves your relationships. All of these things, I do it in, in class when I'm teaching yoga, and let's say um, it's time for plank or navasana or something, a posture that is challenging. And I always invite students to inquire into their relationship with that posture. You know, when you hear the word plank or you hear boat or navasana, does your mind go, oh, yay, it's time for navasana? Or do you start delving into all the stories you have about why it's hard or why it hurts or why you used to be stronger or you're not as strong as you want to be? So I always invite people to really tune into the sensations of strength. These are postures that allow us to gather our strength, our considerable strength, not just physical strength, but all sources, and then to build upon them. What could, what could be, you know, be more wonderful than that? So there's a reason to be grateful that you have this opportunity to gather and build your strength. Doesn't that sound better than, oh, I have to be in plank for three more breaths and it hurts? Right. You know? So, um, so as you know, I, I can go in all directions with this, but <laughs> I, um, I am practicing gratitude by really just looking around and um, appreciating what I have. And I've been, I just started a few days ago at an Instagram gratitude journal. I'm taking pictures of things each day and putting them up. And, and Seth, my husband, asked me this morning, he said, what are you going to do today? And I said, there's so many things. I'm not sure. So um, because he asked me that question, he ended up being the subject of my gratitude for this morning. Um, it really started, you'll see, look on Instagram. He bakes bread, which I'm grateful for. And so the picture is not of my husband, it's of this loaf of bread that he made. But I'm grateful for him even beyond that baking of the bread. But that's really enough. And um, there are so many things. I can't get over how many things there are in my life um, that I'm grateful for. And what's your Instagram name? Being well yoga. At being well yoga. At being well yoga. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this is actually, I just actually recently wrote about this too, because it was the thing that led me to yoga was I was in a more depressed state about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And I found out about gratitude journaling. And I, it was just like you said, just writing three things, three things a day uh, at first felt kind of fake and like inauthentic because I was not feeling happy at that time. And uh, I was more cynical, but then I just, I tried it and I was like, oh, actually that does feel good. And that does feel true. And I'm not faking it. And then the next day, you know, and then after like a month of that, it just felt so good to look back like, wow, my life is amazing. And then it became easier to find those things and easier to go outside of my comfort zone and like end up going to my first yoga class. Uh, so I can definitely attest that has been a powerful practice. Yeah, and if you're looking for things to be grateful for, it changes your day too. Because if you know you've got to write in your gratitude journal, then you're looking for things to be grateful for, which is different completely than looking for things to be upset about. Exactly. Yeah, I I've, I don't know if I heard this from somebody, but I've always had this thought of what when I appreciate what I have, what I have appreciates. So I make sure to to take moments 
even when I have times where I'm feeling like strained or challenged to like, okay, well, what's, what is good about this? Why am I choosing this? How is this working for me? Uh, and uh, I really appreciate you sharing this perspective on things. And I think this would be really helpful. Um, I, I just talked to a student recently who was working through this, this fear of burnout. And uh, so that's kind of what sparked me and inspired me to, to share this. And it's something I've talked to many teachers over the years. So I, I know this is a, pertinent topic and uh i know you'd have a, you'd have a lot to share about it so thank you so much lisa fader for being here being my guest today and uh where can people find out more about you and your corporate offerings and your retreats and all the stuff you're doing where, th- where can they buy your book yes um my website is uh, being well yoga and that lists all of my offerings including the book including corporate programs and studio classes and retreats My next retreat will be in October in Northwest Ireland near Galway, which should be gorgeous. So that's almost a year away. Lots of time to think about it and maybe make a plan to come with me. My book is for sale in Austin at Book People at Studio Mantra, and it will soon be at um, Studio Satya or on Amazon. And that's where you'll find me. I think that's about it. Yeah, Being Well Yoga on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you, Jeremy. And I'm going to, that's, I'm taking that to heart. When you appreciate what you have, what you have appreciates. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And I know we'll have a lot more to talk about soon. Uh, you've, you've got your toes in a lot of different waters and I'll have a lot of experience to share. So I'm excited to uh, have you on again in the future and share more of your insight with these other teachers and students. Thanks, Jeremy. Have a great day. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening. I'm Jeremy Devins. My guest was Lisa Fader of Being Well Yoga. And if you want to support this podcast and help it grow, really the best thing you can do is leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this and subscribe for regular updates. I'm hosting a retreat outside of Austin, Texas on January 17th. You can come for one day, three days, or you can do it all online. That's at mindfulnewyear.com. If you want to work with me more, that's the best place to check that out. Or quietmind.yoga, where you'll see all the things I'm up to. So if you're listening to this after that, I'll have some new offers going on there. I host yoga teacher trainings online. This only opens once or twice throughout the year. And follow me on social media at jeremy.quietmind on Instagram or just quietmindyoga on Facebook. All right, and thank you for listening. And hope you enjoyed this episode and look forward to sharing more with you soon.